2: Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast.
1: Welcome back, Packers fans, to the Pack a Day podcast. It is your Saturday crew. I am Jason Perone of Game on Wisconsin and the Pack a Day podcast, along with Mark Eckel of Packer Report and Paul Bredel of. Dairyland Express, and Game On Wisconsin. Mark, how is everything out east?
2: Very well. Down in the beach here, it's very nice. Looks like it'll be another beautiful day. Uh, We we actually got a little colder last week, believe it or not. The the temperature went under 60. (laughs) That's that's cold here. It is, yeah. You're right. We're back up close to, uh, I'm going to say it's going to be about 75 today and sunny.
1: Okay. 75 and sunny. And then Paul... It's been un—I don't know, yeah—unseasonably warm over by you in the Dairyland state. It's been real nice. Yeah, it's been high sixties this week. Today's seventy, tomorrow seventy-two
3: and sunny. Damn. It's beautiful. It's like springtime again.
2: That's not—that's not frozen
3: tundra. No, just getting my hopes up enough to crush them in a few days. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, and out here it's—we've—I uh, think we've had our last day above ninety. Yesterday was it, so now it's all. 70s and 60s so we're all kind of in the same boat i guess
2: but that's not supposed to be you're supposed to be a hundred paul you're supposed to be like minus something right I'm the, I'm the only one that's supposed to i'm the only one that's supposed to have nice weather right now
3: I'm the
2: no one. i'm kidding i well, glad i'm glad every weather's nice everywhere that's
3: well you're the only one going to the beach i assume that's so you got that
2: <laughs> right i can't help but go to the beach i live on the beach <laughs> if, if, if i go outside i'm on the beach
1: right right so and uh well i guess technically mark you're in south carolina right Okay, so your state's decided, and Paul, your state's decided, and right now it looks like Arizona, even though it was a swing state, is more decided, so maybe someday we'll find out who's going to lead this country. But in other news, Green Bay Packers, as always... I
2: I wrote in Matt LaFleur on my
1: my ballot. uh, uh, Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, after the bounce back, after the bounce back, uh, following he that, loses,
2: he never loses two in a row. So you know, if he makes one mistake in office, he, you know he's not going to make another one right away.
1: That's a pretty, yeah. that's a pretty good streak. I mean, he's he set some some really high standards for himself in his first two seasons, and I'll take that one all all the time. So, uh, all right. Well, as we do every Saturday, it's the uh, injury report. Oh wait, no, no, it's not because the game already happened. And the only thing that's really injured right now, I think is the very bruised ego of a once very mighty San Francisco 49ers team who were dispatched by the green Bay Packers on Thursday night football 34 to 17. Hey guys, before we get into the game real quick, I just want to take a temp check here. Mark, we'll start with you. Are you, are you okay with a fan of Thursday night football or do you still think that it should, that should
2: go away? No, it's never going to go away because of the money. Um, that's the only reason they played that game Thursday night. I mean, with both teams having COVID-positive players and players having to sit out, that they could have easily have moved that game to Sunday or Monday and at least six more players would have mm-hmm. been able to play. Yep. So, But it's all about money. So the game is never going away. What I don't like, and I've said this, I've written this when I was writing every day covering Philly, there's enough teams close together that that's who should play on Thursday night. The, the Green Bay Packers should not have to travel across two time zones. That's a great point. Play San Francisco. The Eagles should not have to go to Dallas. Or and, and let the Eagles play the Giants. Let the Jets play the Giants. Let the Packers play the Bears. Let the the Raider or I mean, the Raiders in Vegas now. But let the let the Rams play the. There's enough possible teams. I can I mean give me two minutes. I'll come up with sixteen games for them where nobody <laughs> has to like even get on a plane. Maybe. Baltimore could play Washington. Um, you know, Pittsburgh could play Cleveland. There's enough of those. And they're all good rivalry games, too, so you would get a good game. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, there's no reason. You know, I, I this was the lead to my, my story the, the, the other night. Uh, in the 15-year history of Thursday Night Football, 11 teams had had to, had to travel two time zones. Those 11 teams were 0-11. Now they're 1-11. Green Bay is the first team to ever have to travel two time zones. And win on Thursday night. Wow! I did not know that. You like that? You like that, don't you? That's, That's a good one, ladies and gentlemen. That, that is what we baby call baby.
1: that. That is what we in the business here call <laughs> prep.
2: <laughs> oh no and, I wrote in my story day so I, I, <laughs>
1: but that's prep. I mean that's that's yeah, awesome that's great Mark I mean that's all those years of experience. I mean I sound like I'm gushing right now but I kind of am I mean <laughs> that's all those years of experience and and you haven't even we haven't even gotten into your story of the week so don't let us down there. All right so Paul, your thoughts on Thursday Night football do you do you echo Mark's sentiment? Yeah, absolutely. It's not going anywhere just because of money but from a
3: player safety standpoint and also just the quality of football if that was going to be the top priority, then these games would be, there wouldn't be Thursday night football. It'd be Sunday and Monday. It's just such a short turnaround to, you know, you play Sunday and then you have to recover and still try to do as much preparation as you can before you get on a plane. If you're the road team, like the Packers are, it's just, it's not going anywhere. Um, The mighty dollar rules all, but from a player safety and health standpoint, as well as just the quality, you know, Sunday is going to give you the best of both worlds in that scenario. Yeah. yeah.
1: What do you
2: think?
1: Okay. Thursday night football. Well, I mean, I'm selfish. So when I look at it from a Packer standpoint, I think that's the biggest. That's the biggest thing there. Not only was it a matter of them having to travel to the West Coast, which has given us all kind of some rough flashbacks because they've not have not fared well in California last year, or I guess this this was was this the first game they played out there this year. Yeah. Um. But to have to face at the beginning of the season, the thought of this matchup was that you're going to face the full the full strength, healthy 49ers team similar to what they faced in the NFC championship game. And now you're doing it on a short week. And I think that was a game a lot of us when we were looking at the schedule and doing what we do, which is, hey, do we think they can win or not win this game was was going to be one that that was going to be tough to win. I had this one pegged as a loss, but. A lot of things have happened since then, and a lot of the factors changed. I guess I, I'm okay with it. I love football, so I mean, you can't have enough nights of the week where there are, well, there's only seven, but you can't have enough <laughs> you can't have enough nights of the week where there are is football on TV as far as I'm concerned. But having played, and I, I mean sparingly one season in high school, and even that was like, you know, I understood why there's only one game per week. There's just, I, I have, that, some of the production the Packers got on Thursday night happened was impressive based on the fact that they had just played four days ago in a tough game against a division rival. So I have, I have no idea how these guys go out there and, and do what they do. But the nice thing is, is the Packers get a win 34-17. They improved to 6-2. and two and they now have a couple extra days rest before they come Maybe. back home. They're back home now and they'll stay home and they host the Jacksonville Jaguars next week and you never take any opponent for it, granted, but Jacksonville you you could you could definitely do a lot worse than and having to come back and face Jacksonville after playing two games in 4 days. So the Packers will have a chance to host Jacksonville Jaguars and and get back on track at home. But yeah, they improved to 6 and 2. So guys, we're because the game already happened. We're going to do a recap of, of the night, and I'll just start off with a, a, an overarching thought, which was if you look at the game stats, just the stat sheet, and you didn't watch the game and you didn't know what the final score was. There's a couple. It's a lot of things were were fairly even from a number standpoint, but obviously there were a couple differences that made a big, big difference. So, for example, I, I take a look at um, the the. Passing first downs, 13 to 8, Green Bay, uh rushing first downs. Each team had six. Uh, third down efficiency, the Packers were fifty percent six of twelve, the Niners were thirty percent three of ten. Nick Mullins at quarterback for the 49ers, we can all agree, is not Jimmy Garoppolo, and it definitely showed in this particular game. The Packers went for it on fourth down once they got it. The Niners tried once on fourth down, they did not get it, and that was Nick Mullins taking an approach that I still don't understand. On the on the uh, quarterback sneak, if I'm not mistaken, I believe that was the fourth down play. Uh, Packers ran 63 plays, Niners ran 53 total yards, 405 to 337. Packers had 11 drives, Niners had 10, they both had 6.4 yards per play, but then when you get into the, some of the difference-making stats there, the Niners turned it over twice, the Packers protected the ball all night, they did not turn it over, and the Packers also held the ball for 13 more minutes, which... We've seen before, the Packers have done a good job of controlling the clock, driving down the field, and then when they get into the red zone, they're actually getting into the end zone. So Paul, start with you as far as some of those numbers, and was there a stat that stuck out to you in this game in particular, other than some of those that I mentioned that was also part of the story as to how the Packers were able to cruise to victory on Thursday night?
3: I mean, Devontae Adams and his production this season and even going back to uh, last year when he's been fully healthy, he's just on an insane, insane pace right now. And the connection of him and Rodgers are um, pretty unbeatable at this moment. But kind of a stat that stood out to me from Pro Football Focus was Aaron Rodgers had zero pass attempts in the 10 to 20 yard range. So it was a lot of the quick, easy throws, you know, relatively easy throws or the shot plays. Kind of similar to what you see in basketball, especially with the Bucks. That's big. Get points at the rim or shoot threes. Kind of eliminating that mid-range. You know, take the easy stuff or take the big shot plays. So, mm-hmm. I thought that that was interesting. They didn't even have a pass attempt in the ten to twenty yard range there. But I just need to go on the record now and give my apology to Billy Turner, who <laughs> I talked about on here this offseason, wrote about, and I just did not, I just did not think that he was going to work out at tackle. And not only has he worked out a tackle, he's worked out at both right tackle and left tackle, yeah, sometimes impressive. in the same game like on Thursday night. So uh, huge, <laughs> huge props to him and the entire offensive line. I mean, that unit's been playing musical chairs most weeks. And once again, Thursday was a prime example of that with Rick Wagner leaving. Turner going from left tackle to right tackle. Elton Jenkins going from left guard to left tackle, John Runyon, the rookie coming in. So that offensive line has been one of the best, if not the best unit, overall unit in the league this year. And they've done it with just guys getting injured, guys being moved around. And for fans out there who are unaware, that's not how it's supposed to work. <laughs> it just does not work like that in the NFL. So what we're seeing from that unit is incredibly impressive.
1: Yeah, we've talked about the offensive line quite a bit. So, Mark, do you have the same sentiment about the production they're getting?
2: Oh, yeah, but uh, back to your original quest with the stats. Uh, keep one thing in mind. Of the 49ers, 337 total yards, they got 155 of those after it was 34-3. to three. Yep. So, they basically, they got half their yards, and I don't want to call it garbage time, but it was garbage. I mean, the Packers, had, the last drive, the Packers, even, I don't even know some of the guys the Packers had, had on the field. I'm looking for numbers saying, who's that? Um, but, I mean, it was, yeah, so... the the stats, as always, that's what it, the total yardage stat is the most bogus stat in all sports. Mm-hmm. And, and, and they rank teams based on yardage. Oh, they're eighth in the league in passing. They're third in the league. Well, yeah, the Niners got 282 passing yards, but all of them came when the game was over. That, points, about points, and it's about other things. It's not about yards. I, I never, ever, ever used a yardage stat as a, as a to tell me if a team's good or not because San Francisco basically had 100 and something yards in that game. When it counted, they had hundred and something yards. When when it was thirty four three and Green Bay took guys out and, and then you know it was no that that's so this this game wasn't nearly as close as the as the numbers might might tell you they were even the final score isn't isn't as close
1: and that was the point I think that was what I was was wanting to illustrate because like for example to your point Mark in in past times when they would rank defenses for example. The number one defense, according to a lot of the news media outlets, would, was the team that's given up the fewest yards on yeah, defense. Right. And I'm thinking, well, that doesn't really tell the story because no. if if, if uh, you know if if the opposing offense is always starting inside the red zone and they only have to go 20 yards to score five times in a game, then you look like you only gave up. You know, seventy five yards of offense, but you also gave up twenty eight points. So that's where
3: Mark's that's where Mark comes yes. into play. Yes, points per hundred yards.
1: Right. Yeah, and points per hundred. So, yeah, that's that's a good one there too. Yeah, and to that point, I had never heard of Richie James before Thursday right. night, and he goes off, and actually, he out out gained. Speaking of yards that may not necessarily mean anything, he outgained Devontae Adams, who had a great night. Adams was 10, 10 catches, 173 yards, and a touchdown on 12 targets. Richie James was 9 catches, 184 yards, and a touchdown on 13 targets. He was everywhere on Thursday night. But again, against who? The secondary, We, you guys are uh, you will be excited as I was. We got to see a lot of Kadar Hallman. Kadar Hallman actually made a really nice tackle. which was nice to see because that was one of the problems that the Packers had the week prior. I mean, in both of their losses, they've tackled very poorly. So that was nice to see. So the, some of the young guys got a chance to play. And of course, that's what happens. You know, you start to play a different scheme, a different type of defense when you've got a big lead and the other team's able to rack up some points and some stats, but Aaron Jones returned, he had 15 carries, 58 yards, didn't get into the end zone, but obviously a big boost. And then Tyler Irvin, guys, we've talked about Tyler Irvin because he missed a couple of games. He got eight carries for 24 yards. It was, that was one of those two, speaking of numbers, that don't necessarily tell the whole story. Did you guys see it the same way, Mark? I'll ask you first. It seemed like Irvin was a lot more effective as a running back that I would have, I guess, expected him to be like a pure running back when he was in there. I don't know if if that was no surprise to you or not.
0: Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. A little
2: bit. I mean, um, mainly because he hasn't really practiced at running back probably until this past week. Uh, he had been practicing strictly as a wide receiver and he did catch four, four balls for 48 yards too. So um, he had a very productive day um, for a guy that nobody really talks about much or, I mean, really he's their fourth running back, right? If everybody's healthy and playing, he's, he's, their, he's not even really, that's why he's not even in the room. He's in the he's with the wide receivers. Yeah. I think moving forward, um, I want to see a lot more of him in, in that role. You know, let him, let him be that guy. Let him be, just don't, don't put a label on them. Just let them play football. Let them um, do that jet sweep stuff. Let them let go in motion and take the the defense with them. And I think after a game like this, defenses have to respect him a little more, which will open things up for other players as well.
1: Yeah, it's production from all, all sorts of different guys. And I like the fact that some of these players are getting reps. I mean, Ty Summers had the big fourth down stop. Uh, again, Nick Mullins helped, helped him out by running right into him. <laughs> and not necessarily doing it how you want the quarterback sneak to go. But a guy that we've talked about, who's had his definite share of struggles and injury issues, Oren Burks had was credited with leading the team in tackles with six on the night, which doesn't necessarily, again, you know, after, after you build up a huge lead and, and Burks had to come in. um, Cause, because I think Chris Barnes uh, missed some time during the game too. Randy Ramsey comes in, you know, we, we saw Stanford Samuels come in Samuel's, Tandils played well. He did play well. And, and if this was 10 years ago, he would have had a sack, but lowered his head and got flagged. And so that did was not.
2: It, was the penalty on him or Ramsey?
1: It was on I, Samuels. It was Samuels. It was Samuels. Okay. Yeah, Ramsey was in there. on. Play. Yeah.
2: They
1: were both there. Well, the, the 49ers offensive line played. You know, you don't, want it, you don't want your name called when you're an offensive lineman in football. And the 40, 49ers offensive line on Thursday night did not accomplish that. So, but amidst all that, I mean, let's talk about that because the Packers actually only had, it was just the one sack by Zadarius Smith. Now, Z also forced a fumble, looked a lot more like himself. Preston Smith made some big plays. I don't know. I'll, I'll get your guys' opinion on this with regards to those two, because there's been a lot of, a lot of frustration from, and I'm talking about just the call-in shows and stuff like that from fans who say Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith have been just, a kind of a ghost this season. Now, Zedarius has had some had some good games. He's had some good production. Preston Smith is not as much, but they both showed up on Thursday night. Mark, you've watched a lot of football. You've seen a lot of really good players have up and down games. Is it a motor thing? Is it a switch that they turn on and off? Or is it just kind of the, the opponent and it's week to week?
2: I, I mean, it'd be nice if there was a switch and, you know, just turn it on and leave it on. But, um, I mean, Preston Smith, let's be honest, his first, Almost half of the season, he he wasn't himself. I don't know what's going on with him. Um, some people think some people think he gained a little weight, maybe slowed him down a little bit. I've I've heard that uh, reason, but he just hasn't been real productive. Let's be honest. He just the, the not just the numbers. I mean, just watching the game, he hasn't caused much havoc like he's supposed to. He hasn't he hasn't been around the ball. Um, but so, but Thursday night, um, I I gave him my defensive player of the game. I thought. You know, he didn't have Z- Zedarius had better numbers with the sack and the fourth fumble, but I thought Preston was all over the field. I mean, he he caused the pressure that led the Raven Green's pick. You know, that I think that I thought turned the whole 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 game around. Mm-hmm. Um, he had some other pressures. He was in one play, he ran with a running back the whole way down the field. Um, no, I mean let's let's hope, and I this is what I wrote. Let's hope that that you know this game did turn the switch on for Preston Smith for the. For the because they're going to need him. The Packers are going to need him if, to not just win the North. Because I think I don't think that's the goal. I don't think, I don't, I don't think the Packers' goal this year is to win the NFC North. I think their goal is to get to the Super Bowl. Well, they're not going to get there if Preston Smith is doing what he did the first six weeks. I mean, it's going to be harder. Let's put it that way. They, can they? Sure. But it's going to be a lot harder. If Preston Smith plays the way he did Thursday night and the way he, he did last year, their path to, uh, to the Super Bowl is a lot easier.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. The, they're going to be an important part of it too, and Rashawn Gary has has stepped in there too. And he made ben, some plays too. He he did he did. I think he had a, a a nice pursuit. He's only he's only credited with two tackles on the night, but he had a nice pursuit tackle that was kind of past that first level, which is what you want to see guys hustling to the ball. Paul, your take? Well, he
2: got he. Excuse me, a second, this. Gary was was held on the play previous to the interception which put them in what third and long instead of whatever it was if I'm not mistaken right didn't he get there was a holding call uh, against Gary that backed the Niners up and then I think a play or two later was the interception
1: yeah that could have been yeah that could have been I, I don't recall but I mean if he's that's the thing is you can you can tell you're stepping up your game and that you're an impactful player if you're drawing that kind of attention and and you're grabbing some holding calls and yeah, you're backing the team up. And then Nick Mullins, the throw on the interception was was very... It was it looked like one of those throws at the end of a, of a game the Packers had in hand. And Brett Favre... Remember when Brett Favre used to just kind of have fun when the Packers were blowing someone out? And he would just kind of throw one or two up there. It was almost like he was trying to help the other team pad their stats. That was, that was not a great throw, but... Paul, your take on Zadarius and Preston Smith in this game. And it was one game, but is there is is it potentially a sign or some hope that we'll see them return a little bit more to what we saw
0: last year's form? The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season, from game spreads and totals to team. Player and coaching props. Bet online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You could get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code Blue Wire at BetOnline.ag. That's Blue Wire, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts.
3: Yeah. Thursday night's game was a prime example of why outside linebackers coach Mike Smith emphasizes pressures over sacks. Like you said, Jason, they only had one sack uh, as a team, but the Packers were in Nick Mullen's face for basically the entire game. They had 15 pressures. Um, Both turnovers were a result of pressure, and that's what's been missing from the team this year. They were top five in pressure rate in 2019. They rank last at the moment in pressure rate at just uh, just over 15% of the time. And so that has a negative trickle-down effect. In the red zone, they aren't nearly as effective as what they were last year at holding teams to field goals. They aren't forcing turnovers at anywhere close to the same rate. Last year, I think they finished seventh in total turnovers, and coming into this game, they were ranked last. So the Packers need these guys to get going. And another, another point, I guess you could say, towards pressures over sacks is that Darius Smith now has seven sacks. I believe, which is second or third most in the NFL. But I think everyone will agree that he isn't as consistent, Mm. uh, consistently impactful as he was a year ago. And the reason for that is he just isn't getting the quarterback as often and therefore doesn't have as many pressures. So Mike Smith is speaking the truth when he's talking about pressures over sacks. And I I said earlier this week, I I hope that this is the turning point because for this defense to reach their ceiling and be as good as they can be, they're going to need to get after the quarterback. And, I mean, that's kind of a general rule of thumb for any team. But they, it's been a steep drop-off. I mean, when you finish top five, sure, you can expect some regression. But to go from fourth to last in terms of pressuring the quarterback, that's <laughs> that's just falling off of a cliff. And to Mike Patton's credit, which I know he doesn't get a, get a lot of, um, he has been blitzing more the last, the last few games as well. So he's trying to help create some of that pressure on his own because – I mean, for the most part, the guys just aren't winning the one-on-one matchup. So Thursday night was it was a beautiful thing to see getting after the quarterback with that kind of consistency, and hopefully for the defense's sake and the Packers' sake, because it's going to have a trickle-down effect to the other positions on the defense. Hopefully they can keep that momentum rolling forward. Yeah,
1: sacks are fun to watch, and they cause lost yardage, and, and it's an advantage to the offense to get some better field position. But if you're getting the ball back and you're keeping the other team off the scoreboard, then it's it's just as effective as well. So as far as those blitz packages, when you look at some of the guys that are coming in, you've gotta have the right guys to do that. And in, in past years the Packers have had some safeties. I mean I we've been spoiled and Paul, you know, maybe early on in your fanhood watching Leroy Butler. Mark, I know you'll agree with this. Leroy well, Leroy Butler should be in the Hall of Fame, but no, one thing that he doesn't get a lot of credit for he was an incredible blitzer for a safety I mean he got into the backfield and got the quarterback down on the ground you've got to have the right players and I it seems to me now again it was San Francisco a very decimated beat up San Francisco 49ers team so I don't want to make it sound like the Packers just went out and took it to Seattle in their own building by any means But the the Packers look like they've got guys that, from the secondary, can be effective there. And when you have that component to your defense, you're going to keep offenses on their toes and kind of on their heels a bit, not knowing if it's press coverage or if that guy is coming in after the quarterback. Mark, have you had a chance at all to just take a look and see, as far as the blitzing goes, if, if you agree? And I'm looking at guys like... Adrian Amos, Darnell Savage, mm-hmm. that I've seen come in on on blitzing, and but what is that?
2: Ramsey and, and the kid from Sam.
1: Samuels, game. yeah, they and they they sent him in there too. I mean, yeah, try some of those things out and see how these guys do. You now, Samuels had a sack, but he was flagged for roughing the quarterback yeah. because he lowered his helmet, right. but. You know, even if you want to just take a few minutes to gush about the days of Leroy Butler and how we can dream to have something like that again, do you, do you? I mean, how do you feel? You've got to have the right well, guys if you're gonna if you're sure. gonna send pressure that way.
2: Well, let me let me say this from my experience: most defensive coordinators that I've dealt with, they don't want a blitz. They would love if if are front four, you know, when Packers, you know, they would love to just send four every play. And, and they I mean, had
3: that luxury last season.
2: Yes. And that's because then you can't cover as well. Because keep in mind, every time you blitz a guy, that's one guy that isn't in coverage, which means one guy can't be. If when you blitz, you better get there. That's the whole thing. That's I'm Jim Johnson, the Eagles' longtime defensive coordinator, and I, who did blitz, but and and we used to joke with him about how he loves the blitz, and he's like, "No, I don't like the I really don't like the blitz. I blitz because I, when I feel we have to to get because again, like every defensive coach I've ever dealt with." what you said earlier that we got to get to the quarterback we got to pressure the quarterback so but he he would have loved to just win with his front four and not have to and not have to bring a backer or a safety or or whatever but when you do you better get there because like i said that's one less guy someone if depending on what kind of offensive form formation the offense has or is running that play you're going you're leaving someone open that and then the quarterback you know, if he, if the blitz gets picked up, bang, you're probably giving up a big play. Um, and I've seen that. We've seen big plays happen when a team blitzes all, all the time. So you need, like you said earlier, Butler could Butler was great at it. Um, Packers have had other guys in the past that, that were pretty good at it too. Um, can Amos be that guy? I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe Samuels. I don't. I mean, that's up to that's what they, that's what practice is for every day just to to learn and see what guys can do certain things. Uh, me personally, I love the blitz. I'm I'm just an old school. Send everybody, <laughs> send the house. Just go go get him. If he picks it up, God bless him. All right, so, so you beat me, but no, I'm I love the blitz. I, I love aggressive pressure defense. I I hate a bend, but don't break defense.
3: This defense has to do a better job of dictating things. <clears throat> right now, the offenses do all the dictating. You know, there's there's like I said, there's been more blitzing, but still they're still ranking the bottom third of the NFL in that category. Uh, Patton lining his corners up, you know, 7, 8, 10 yards off the line of scrimmage. You know, and his philosophy of just not giving up the big play, trying to force the offense if they are going to score, put together a 10, 12, 15 play drive, which isn't easy to do. And hopefully along the way, the Packers get a stop turnover or the offense just stalls because putting the other 15 plays isn't easy. There's just no aggressiveness or like I said, they're just not dictating anything. It's just kind of go out there and let the offense do what they do and see if we can get a stop. And I really think that that needs to change moving forward. They need to just kick it up a notch.
1: That's the frustrating thing in the two losses and, and against a Minnesota Vikings offense that really shouldn't be doing that to you. I think that was one of the things that really frustrated me in particular about the Vikings loss Tampa it's still Tom Brady and okay I guess you give them a little more of a of a pass in that sense, but that's that's the thing that's gotten the Packers is obviously not being able to get off the field uh, when they when they get off script and they're not able to control the ball and they don't have that disparity in time of possession it it becomes problematic it does for any team but in Green Bay's case in particular that's that's a problem but they were able to get off the field and. And look, you're supposed to play the kind of game the Packers did. Now the score looks a lot closer than it was because of what Mark said earlier. You've got the Niners trying to—I mean, Kyle Shanahan had them playing hard up till the end. Just you know, for for the, the, it's their culture, play hard until the end, regardless of whether you're winning or not. But you know, you, you've got it. You should you should produce those results. I mean, at, at one point was was it 31 to three? You know, yeah. so the Packers had 34 a thirty-four, if 34. thirty-four to three. So you know, they they give up fourteen after they've they've kind of gone into coast mode. So yeah, um, people are gonna. Sorry, Jason,
3: I said people people are gonna point out that you know the Niners were depleted, which they absolutely were. But like you said, the Packers did exactly what they should have done in this game, which is dominate from start to finish for well, the most for part. Nothing. That's what good teams do.
2: The Packers weren't exactly a full strength. Correct. I mean, yes, the Niners were decimated. But the Packers were missing their their two of their top three three, three running backs, and the one that, and the, t- the top running back played, but he wasn't, and he played well, but he wasn't hundred percent. They missed their, their all pro left tackle. They were without an, another starting line. Everybody for, forgets Lane Lane Taylor, but he was a starter at the beginning of the year. They were without uh, two inside linebackers by the end of the game because Barnes got hurt. What second quarter, third mm-hmm. quarter? So he was out. They lost their best corner early in the game.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, they were without a lot of people too. It wasn't like you know that, that they, they came in 100 percent healthy. So they they had some things they had to, you know. But again, it's done. You know, the injuries. Listen, you can make it. Every team has injuries, and that's what you have to. You've got to play through them, and then the other guys have to step up and 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 play better. And again, the Niners were in a tough. When you lose, I, and, and again, like I asked you guys a couple of weeks ago, when the Packers had a laundry list of injuries,
0: would you rather have
2: all those guys play and Rodgers not play, or Rodgers play and all those guys don't play? And the answer is, you want Rodgers. Quarterback is the most important position, and the Niners were were without their quarterback, and there is a definite drop off from from Jimmy Garoppolo to what's that guy, Nick Mullins? Nick he Mullins. He's he's, he, he's the. I think Beathard's better than him to be honest with you. I
3: was going to say, and shame on me, you brought up uh, Aaron Jones, Mark. Shame on me for forgetting, because he was only out for, was it two games, mm-hmm. three games? But, man, when he had the ball in his hands, I was like, holy cow. He, I don't know. It, he This offense is just so different when he's on the field, and not a knock to Jamal Williams whatsoever. He's a fantastic player, and like Matt Lafleur said, an RB1 caliber. But Aaron Jones is just different in this offense as well when he's on that field with the ball in his hands.
1: It would have I made. Just, I was going to say it would have made me feel a lot better if he wasn't still playing after they had such a big lead. There were some guys out there I felt like they could have spared.
2: I was surprised, but I guess when Dexter Williams got hurt, there wasn't much else to do. You don't want to overuse Irvin either. He, he's not a big guy. You know what? I thought I thought Lovett should have got in sooner. If they were just going to run into you know run for a couple of yards, you know they gave him a few a few handoffs at the end. What did he get? Four carries. What was it? Three carries for six yards. But I was surprised they didn't use the fullback a little more in the course of the game. Were 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 you guys surprised at that or no? I not thought he was. I mean, he wasn't even on the field.
3: Right. I thought he was going to play a bigger role, um, especially beforehand when I guess I was pessimistic about Aaron Jones even playing. Right. So once Jones got in, that kind of threw all that out. But like you said, he wasn't even on the field a, a ton in that regard. They're
2: not using a fullback much. They really aren't. They're using it less tonight than, than I thought they would.
1: Yeah, as far as as far as that goes, I guess I would have never considered love it to be an option to go in there to kind of ice out or finish out a game. Yeah, you know, I, you learn a lot about these these teams and the the way that they want to use some of these players well, in the certain game was situations. Over. It,
2: wasn't they, it was thirty four to three. The
1: game's over. The Williams. game is over, and then you've got yeah the injuries like you said too, and actually Dexter Williams uh, left with a knee injury, and Matt Lafleur. When talking about the guys who left, sounded like his injury was the worst. Was the worst,
2: yeah, by far. Out
1: of them, the out of them all, which is it which,
3: was, it was just reported uh, Saturday morning. Ian Rappaport, he has a MCL sprain, so a couple week injury, three four weeks. I think. Yeah, he yeah
2: but, he's, but he's not even. On, but he's. I mean, he's back on a practice squad next week anyway. Yep. Right.
1: Yeah, I mean Rick Wagner knee injury, but if that's not long term, that's good news. And then Jair with the concussion. I mean, as soon as he got hit, he pointed to his head. And you don't you don't want to be without Jair for too long. Yeah. But those head injuries, the bigger thing is, is hey, get better, and the couple extra days rest is that
2: could make all the difference in the world for for that. You know,
1: yeah. And it's who knows if he'll be ready to go. You know, they still have the protocol and all that kind of stuff. It's it's interesting. We don't hear as much about some of these head injuries in a year where some some another ailment has kind of taken over. And on that note, the Packers did put two new players on the COVID reserve list, which were uh, quarterback Jordan Love and linebacker Chris Barnes is on the COVID reserve list. So we'll keep an eye on on them and their status. But again, Love is on there
3: just as a close contact. Close contact. Tested
1: positive. Yeah, so the Packers have a few extra days this week. And we've seen teams and other players around the league Play on a normal week after a positive test comes back, so doesn't necessarily mean they're going to miss the game against Jacksonville. But I'm not going to complain that they have a couple extra days to to kind of work through that. And then it sounds like David Bakhtiari is making progress. I don't know how good his chances are right now of playing against Jacksonville, but Lafleur said that he he's doing everything he can to get back out there. And obviously, the team is much different when Bakhtiari is out there versus when he's not but some role players stepped up and i've talked about the depth before again we have to take into consideration the entire context of what this game was from who was on the other side of the ball what were they dealing with i think somebody noted that there was a use check was did i say his name correctly was the only skill player who was out there who, who was also in the nfc championship game they were without all of their skill players uh yeah. they they didn't have Debo Samuel was out. Obviously, Garoppolo didn't play. Kittle yeah. didn't play. So they missed. They were missing some some big pieces of their offense, you know for sure. But the depth showed out. You know they they guys made plays and and they they kept the Packers in the game and and uh, I shouldn't even say kept them in the game. They were in it from the very get go. I mean. Does anybody have any answers for... Would you want to be the opposing defensive coordinator and, and have to figure out how you just keep Devontae Adams under 10 catches with his incredible footwork? I mean, like I've said before, he's one of those guys where like he's the get-open-in-a-phone-booth type of receiver. It's just every week we talk about him, but that first touchdown and the footwork and the grab and just the element that that he brings, he's, he's absolutely incredible. He's finally going to eclipse the thousand yard mark because I think he's come. Correct me if I'm wrong, guys. Hasn't he come within a few yards in two two seasons recently, yeah. where he didn't quite hit? Yeah, ninety something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's gonna get his thousand this year. You know, barring well, he injury. He usually
2: had it if he didn't get if he, if he had missed a couple games.
1: hmm Yeah, yeah, he would have. He,
3: he had one in
1: uh, 2018. Yeah, in 18, which was a. <laughs> Which is good. I'm glad he got those numbers, but that season was good. Was yeah, oh, yeah,
2: yeah. He had thirteen eighty six. We had nine ninety seven twice. Nine ninety seven in twenty sixteen and nine ninety seven last year. And the
1: funny thing is is that when you when you get into these debates about who the best receiver in the NFL is, and frankly, who cares? It's you know, if your guys I don't care if my receiver isn't the quote unquote best in the league if he scores twelve mm-hmm. touchdowns a season, you know, but it's it's just incredible what he what he does and and just like I said that footwork and that element that he brings to to the team. But you'll have some fans that'll jump in there and say, well, he you know he didn't he's only have one season of a thousand yards. So talking about yards again, Mark, where they use that as, as their their overarching stat. It's kind of like the same thing as in my opinion when someone talks about quarterback wins. You know, even though that there's there's so much, it's not like a pitcher in baseball. Quarterback wins to me is not a valid. Not necessarily a valid stat. But I know that not everybody necessarily agrees with that. And we were talking about the drop-off from Mullins to Garoppolo. How about the drop-off from Aaron Rodgers to Nick Mullins? Nick Mullins, one touchdown, one interception. Aaron Rodgers, four touchdowns, zero interceptions. And two of those guys, two of those, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. He only had two catches and they were both in the end zone. So again, against who? But is this an opportunity... Is it inflated, or is it an opportunity for him to bounce back and maybe get on track, Mark?
2: We're talking about who? Aaron
1: Rodgers, Valdez Scantling.
2: Oh, Valdez Um, I don't know. He's an enigma. Um,
1: <laughs> you know, he,
2: he has he dropped that one pass. I mean, I, I, that that's I was like, the, I, I don't know how he dropped that. But it's he like does the it. third or fourth crosser. He's dropped too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> so I, I mean, basically, what he is is a is a one trick pony. But but it's not a bad trick to have, and that's just run deep and catch the bomb. I mean that's that's all, I mean, and when Lazard comes back, hopefully look, Alan Lazard's back against Jacksonville, and that is gambling. I mean, can his role will lessen, and, and you could just use him as that because listen, he can run. He can run all day. You know he got he was so wide open on that fifty-two yarder. I never you know that was crazy. Um, but you, I mean, you can't trust. Him. Let's be honest. I mean, yes, he caught two touchdowns. and One was a beautiful 52-yard touchdown pass. But when you're dropping easy balls on that was on third down, that that stopped a drive. And that that's mm-hmm. almost like a turnover. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I don't know. I'm just I don't know what I'm. I don't, I don't know what my. I can't say nothing. I don't want to get rid of him, but but I, I don't. I don't. I don't want him to be my guy. He he he. You can't trust a guy that has what five six drops already this season.
3: Thursday night, I kind of came to the conclusion that this is just who he is. Yeah. it's. I mean, in Minnesota week one, he had uh, two bad drops, but he also had some nice plays as well. And at that point, I was kind of like, okay, maybe this is the turning point. And the reason I said that was because he had the nice plays and then the drops, but then Rodgers went back to him again, and he came up with that play with, I don't know, 20, 25 yards or whatever it was on a free play. And I was like, okay, I I didn't have a ton of – memories or flashbacks of rogers going back to him after a drop so i kind of thought that that was a turning point he had a couple nice plays in week two in detroit but then he's been like silent up until thursday night and just quiet not even getting that many targets and then there's a drop but then he has a two touchdowns so I, I just think that this is this is what he is and he's going to be frustrating at times but he's gonna like you said the He's a one-trick pony, but it's a fantastic trick to have. And if once once Lazard's back and he's your third receiving target in a limited makes, role, right? Okay, now now that'll that'll work better for both him and I think everyone else. But I think this is just who he is. It's the Mark. It's the MVS experience, the roller coaster ride.
2: <laughs> yeah, he's in a, in a in a perfect world. He's probably your four. Yep. Right. You know, and and you could put him out on, on certain plays and let him. You know, let him play when everybody snaps a game. but And send him deep every, you know, just let him go, go deep. And if, if it's oh, boom, throw it to him and see what happens. But, yeah, you don't want him to be – he's not consistent enough. And, like I said, I don't trust him enough to make him a number two where you, where you need him because you don't know what you're going to get.
3: He's the only receiver on this roster, too, with that kind of speed. I mean, <laughs> he, he definitely yeah. gives them an element that they wouldn't have without him.
1: Well, think about this, too. You know, the one thing about about MVS and I'll throw Academia St. Brown in there is they've both been their fair share of disappointing this season. MVS has made a couple plays, too. But let's not forget that this was given, whether valid or not or by who, a rationale as to why the Packers didn't necessarily do more to bring in a wide receiver. They didn't have the guys that they wanted available in the draft. Ayuk was drafted. Justin Jefferson was gone. Whether the Packers would have taken Jefferson, I don't know. But one of, the, one of the reasons why, and Brian Gutekunst said, we believe in the guys that we have in this room. Well, one of the problems with that now in revisionists looking back is, well, Marcos Valdez, Scandling, and Equinemius St. Brown have not been what you have hoped and needed them to be for not having added any talent <clears throat> at running back. Well,
2: keep one thing in mind. Keep keep something. Keep, well, there's two guys that they thought they had, who they don't have. Alan Lazard, Funchess. who played a great game, and Devin Funches. Mm-hmm. I mean, when the draft came, they didn't think Funches had not opted out yet, right? So they thought they had Devin Funches. They did have Alan L- Lazard, who, again, with Lazard healthy, MVS's role becomes. He's okay in that role. I, I, you know, like I said, perfect world. He's a four, but I can live with him as my. I could live with Adams, Lazard, MVS, and Tyler Irvin as the as a as a gadget player. I can live with that. I don't think wide receiver is this team's biggest need. I really don't. I didn't think it was. <clears throat> now, granted, if if Justin Jefferson's there, if Brandon I, I yuck is there, <clears throat> they're they're just good players. So you take a good player. Sure. But I wasn't reaching for somebody. I wasn't going to reach in the first round, and then the second round. There really wasn't any of it. I mean, I, I still wouldn't have taken AJ Dillon, but that's me. Um, <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't. I'd, I would not wasted a pick on a running back, but um, there wasn't like I think they would have taken uh, Claypool had he dropped, but, but Pittsburgh took him. You know, so there wasn't anyone in the second round. And again, when you're looking at your depth chart and you see Lazard and NMVS for, for for what he is, and Devin Funkus. I mean, people for, forget they you know Devin Funkus isn't a bad player at all. He's not a great player, but he's a he's a solid 2 3 guy.
3: He had like a, I think he had almost, I think he had two seasons over 800 yards. Yeah. I mean, that's certainly not nothing.
2: <laughs> it's not a one, right? He's not a one per se, but he's definitely a, a, you know, if you have Devontae Adams, it's not hard to be a good two. You know what I'm saying? Because Adams is going to get the, the, the defensive coordinator is going to focus more on Devontae Adams than any other wide receiver. So Funkus, I think, would have, if he didn't opt out and got in, and he had to do what he felt was right. But if he didn't, if he would be putting up numbers. I mean, how good the offense isn't a problem anyway. Let's be honest; the offense scores thirty points almost every week. Correct. They, you know, and they would have scored thirty against the Vikings if Saint Brown could 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 catch. Yeah. He's been a disappointment. He's he's not any good at all.
1: Yeah, he really has. Well, you know that the Packers wanted to draft Chase Claypool because he played his college football <laughs> at. Yeah, <laughs> say it. Say it, Mark.
2: Fighting Irish, <laughs> Notre Dame. Well, the, your general manager has, has an affinity for Notre Dame players. Obviously, he traded for Kaiser. He drafted Dexter Williams. He drafted St. Brown, and he's over three.
1: Yeah, they've had their struggles. They've definitely had their struggles there. But Claypool's been good for Pittsburgh.
2: Yeah, he has been.
1: He's played well for the Steelers. He was, yeah. and he
2: wanted to trade for Will Fuller.
1: He was mocked to. Well, he was mocked to. Not that mock drafts mean a ton, but you know we get bored in the offseason and we do them. He was mocked to the Packers quite a bit before the draft, and, and there the were a lot of people. There were a lot of people who did not want to see that happen, and there was there was a lot of you know. Oh, he's over. Don't overdraft him. But he's played well for Pittsburgh. I
2: like. I did like him. I didn't think. I didn't. I didn't. I was hoping he'd be there in the second round. I didn't. I didn't have him at twenty, whatever the Packers. I guess they were, they were supposed to pick thirty, but um, did you did you see him in the first round to the Packers?
1: There were a very few. I mean, and, and you're going to see those. You're going to see those anomalies where somebody's trying to be clever and say, "Hey, I'm calling this and taking my shot." That yeah, they're I remember gonna, seeing
3: those a few of those as mm-hmm. well.
1: That you're going to do that. That they're going to do this, even though the majority of the mock drafts have him in the second. Some maybe even in the third round, you're you're going to see some of those anomalies at time, but it was the, definitely the exception, not the norm.
2: But again, I'm not. Would you know? Could they use another way? Yeah, sure. Any, any team could use anything that's good. But I wasn't, I wasn't like upset and throwing things around the room on last Tuesday when the deadline passed and they and they didn't do anything at wide receiver. Now, I I would have preferred they went out and got some help on on defense if they were going to do anything.
1: Well, that's where they, yeah, obviously the defense is what needs the boost. You know, they've played a couple of teams that have been in a, in not so advantageous situations in one way or the other, and I don't want to make the victories the Packers have, have earned sound hollow in any way, but let's be realistic. What is our goal here as fans of this team and following it and putting all of our heart and soul into watching this team? We want them to go to the postseason, and we all know that those games are a much different story than the regular season, so it's going to be really tough for them to score every point and make every stop in the postseason. And you want to see everything kind of tightened up by then. And the defense, Mark, to your point, is absolutely where the Packers could use the biggest boost. Now, the trade deadline is gone. They're not going to have an opportunity really to add anybody big. So this is where I look at the depth and say, okay, do they have the kind of depth that is is a little bit more special than they've had in recent years? Because that's where that's where things kind of start to come out. If you look at the Super Bowl season, and that's also, they had a lot of injuries. They had a lot of injuries. They actually had a lot of injuries in the Super Bowl. If anyone remembers that, they finished the game with Pat Lee at quarterback cornerback. At you know, Pat Lee's at corner on the other side, and I'm like, Ben Roethlisberger, you, you, whoever, I know it's Mike Wallace, but you should have thrown at Pat Lee if you're trying to pick up some more yards. I, I, I don't know, but you had Sam Shields, uh, actually Sam Shields got hurt. So was, they relied on so much depth. Uh, Jared Bush had an interception in that game. Those are the kind of things that you're going to need if you want the team to be special. So that's why when I see Stanford Samuels out there and Henry Black and guys like that out there making play Kadar, that gives me hope. That's It's encouraging to see some of these young guys playing well. And again, it, it kind of turned into a little bit of a pseudo preseason game at the end because it was not your preferred starters out there. But guys still make the plays in front of them. I think that counts for something. I just wanted to note at the, what the wide receiver position to what you guys were saying. Valdez Scantling seems to drop one ball every single week. And and those kind of things, if he has a really bad game where he does that two or three times in a key situation and the Packers you know, don't convert on a third down because of it, all of a sudden, instead of blowing out a team like a Jacksonville, they're in a toe-to-toe game and that's a scary place to be because then you know it's anybody's ball game. And if Jacksonville just makes one more play, than Green Bay does, then you lose a game that you shouldn't have lost. And obviously this season with the with the new rules, the one seed's the only team that gets the the, the week off. Those kind of things can become costly, right? Either of you. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 100%. I,
2: can't, I can't argue with any
1: of that. Be, you know. Yeah, so um, all right. So we'll go around the horn. Paul, anything to add that, about this week's game or any of the storylines that we haven't touched on yet?
3: Uh, just two quick things on the Pat McAfee show where Aaron Rodgers has his interview. Oh yeah, I love before that. that. Before that, before that 52 yard play to MVS where he scored, they had called a timeout, and Lafleur and Rodgers were talking about plays and that play that they called. Rodgers was like, oh, I'm not so sure about it, but MVS basically told him, "I got this." And <laughs> so Rodgers talked about how he just loved the confidence that he had, especially coming off the drop. And so it's great to see him go to that, go to him on that play, and then just the result and the second touchdown after. And the other thing. The Packers, in my opinion, just finished their toughest stretch of this season at Tampa, at Houston, home for Minnesota, a divisional opponent coming off a bye short week at San Francisco. And they went two and two. If back in August you said, Paul, Packers go two and two over the stretch. I would have taken that and ran. Mm-hmm. So I know there's been some a little bit of doom and gloom out there just because of the losses. And they probably shouldn't have lost to Minnesota at all. But two and two during the stretch is just fine.
1: Yeah, I would have, uh, and for me, you know, I don't, don't want the divisional loss or the first divisional loss that Matt Lafleur has suffered as the head coach of the Packers. And just talking about some of the incredible things he's done so far. Yeah they they came out they came out of it okay, but it looks like Tampa's uh, maybe a thing. And and I don't know, Mark. I know that you said before. I don't I don't know. Maybe it wasn't you, Mark. I'm not as big of a believer in in Tampa, but. They keep finding ways to win games, but then they're also losing games to the Chicago Bears in in befuddling fashion. So who the heck knows what's going to happen there. But was there anything else that stood out to you that we haven't touched on yet? Mark, did you want to give some accolades to the kickers, maybe something? I don't know. I'm just (laughs) throwing it out there. Yeah,
2: I do. I do. Mason Crosby kicked a 53-yard field goal Mm -hmm. with a, you know, he was still kind of ailing a little bit with a bad back and a bad calf, right? So, I mean, he's not kicking off. Which, by the way, J.K. Scott isn't that good at kickoffs. Um, I mean, he's he's okay, I shouldn't say, but he's Crosby's better. But for him to go out and make a 53-yard field goal, um, pretty impressive. I mean, that guy. I think a lot of times fans take their kicker when you have a good one. Sometimes you take it for for granted. Oh yeah, we we. I mean, no, that's something you shouldn't take for granted because just ask any Bears fan about about their kickers
3: or Vikings. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, yeah, them too.
2: <laughs> I don't I don't talk to Viking fans. Um, <laughs> I'll, I might say 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 hi to a Bears fan, but I don't even say I don't even, I don't talk to Vikings fan. Um, no, I mean I think you know six. I mean, Paul brought up going two and two, uh, that's a good breakdown. But I mean at the halfway part, at the halfway point of their season, they're they're six and two, and I think that's pretty good. I, I don't think you could have asked for. I mean, yeah, when you go back, like you said, you could have beat the Vikings. You Probably should have beaten the Vikings, but you know, beating winning in New Orleans, winning in Minnesota. Um, and well, Houston's not as good as people thought they were going to be, but still going on the road and winning in Houston, winning in San Francisco—that's some tough road wins there. Um, so yeah, Tampa was a was a bad game too. But again, Tampa—we'll find out a lot about Tampa this week when they play the Saints again. I mean, that, that's that's a huge game for the for the NFC South and probably the the NFC in in general because with seedings and you know whoever wins that division is probably going to be a could be anywhere from one, two, or three, and the loser is going to be no better than five. So it's kind of like last year, Seattle-San Fran. I, I often wonder, I think that everything would have been different if Seattle wins that last game of the season against San Francisco and they came within a half a yard of doing it. Um, who knows? Seattle's the top seed. No, Green Bay's the top seed. Seattle's two and San Fran's five. I don't know if San Fran gets to the Super Bowl out of, out of the five seed.
1: Yeah, you just, my stomach is turning again, just that, that one half a yard. It's like, you know, Seattle only only nightmarish things have happened for the Packers playing on that field. They've got, Seattle has such a home field advantage at CenturyLink, but they can't win that game. Thank you so much. That's, they went full they went full Seahawks there. So, all right, so we had a bit of a different schedule this week. So around the horn, how is that going to impact what we're going to see from you guys uh, in terms of the work that's coming out? Paul at Dairyland Express... What do we have to look forward to this weekend and next week? Uh, Just still kind of taking a look back. I usually, after each game, I like to highlight some player performances or uh, take a look if there's some trends that are taking place. So keep your eyes open for that. And then, Mark, you had the game recap. And then what do we have to look forward to in the early part of this next week at Packer Report? I'm
2: I'm actually doing a story on the Packers don't play this Sunday. So what should Packer fans do with a day off on Sunday? i give you some ideas of games, other games you might want to watch and be interested. Perfect.
1: Okay. Yeah. All right. Excellent. Awesome. Well, thanks guys. This has been your Saturday crew pack a day podcast, a little bit of a different one for us. Kind of fun to deviate a little bit, but we'll be back in our usual slot next Saturday, talking about the injury report ahead of the Packers hosting the Jacksonville Jaguars. Everybody enjoy a stress-free weekend. The Packers will not lose any football games this weekend. Enjoy watching everybody else. Hopefully, uh, win if you want them to, and lose if you want them to as well. Everybody, stay safe and go, Packo.